Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information. The problem with big tech companies is that not only do they censor what you read, but they track what you do online. They track what you're searching for, the videos you watch and everything you click on. They use this data to serve you ads and they can match your activity to your true identity. Think about everything you browse, search for, watch, tweeted. They use this data and turn it into a product. The same big tech companies who are largely responsible for cancel culture are using your information to profit off it. That's why we use ExpressVPN, and you should do. ExpressVPN is a simple tool that protects you from big tech companies by hiding your identity and your online habits. ExpressVPN disguises you and prevents big tech from tracking your online activity and turning you into a product. Protect your privacy by going to expressvpn.com slash Callahan. Support this show, strike back against big tech, and keep identity thieves at bay. This is The Jerry Callahan Show. Uh, Joe Biden uh, calls a reporter a stupid son of a bitch uh, on a hot mic. CNN says he did it on purpose. Uh, Neil Young is threatening Spotify. He says it's me or Joe Rogan. You can't have both. I don't know don't know if Neil Young knows how this is going to end. Uh Ukraine. We might be going to war in Ukraine, although I can't find one person and I've been looking who supports it and today tonight David Ortiz will become the first steroid guy elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Will a couple of other noted steroid guys join him? We'll find out this evening. We will talk about that and a lot more on today's Callahan Show, brought to you by DCU. Do you love your car but hate your car payment? No problem. Refinance your car today with DCU, and they can help lower your monthly payment, lower your interest rate, or both. Applying is easy, and their loan experts will help you find the loan term and the payment that fits into your budget. Get out of that high-rate loan and get the interest rate and the payment you deserve from DCU. Learn more and apply today at dcu.org slash refinance, insured by NCUA, membership required. All right, this blew up last night. Joe Biden is, uh, this is twice in a week that Joe Biden called a Fox reporter stupid for doing his or her job. Last week, Jackie Heinrich asked a question perfectly appropriate. 
He said, what a stupid question on a hot mic. Yesterday, Peter Ducey asked another perfectly appropriate question about uh, inflation. And the subject of the press conference was uh, the economy. So obviously it was a perfectly appropriate question. And Biden said, clear as could be, uh, what a stupid question. What a stupid son of a bitch. Um, this, this went viral. You wondered why, how a guy who could, who's been talking in microphones for 50 years, doing it every day, got caught on a hot mic a week ago. You wondered why even Biden, who is obviously in cognitive decline, could do it again. It just seems really dumb, really careless, really reckless. Um, CNN had a theory that he did it on purpose. Now, we'll play it. And you tell me, we have not talked about this yet, Carano. Uh, You and I haven't. um, You tell me if the guy, the mean, cranky old man, the absent-minded old man that we watch every day and marvel at just how incoherent he can be, how confused he can be. You tell me if this was a savvy move by a guy who wanted to make it clear that he didn't like this guy, Ducey. So he said, I'm going to say it. It's going to blow up. And, you know, I'll, I'll apologize. Well, not really, but I'll, I'll, I'll call him later. But I want to make it clear that I, what I think about this guy, Peter Ducey, the only real reporter in the room on a daily basis, but let's play it, and you tell me if you think CNN is on to something. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. Now, this is worse, because you could say any, a smart guy, a good reporter, could ask a stupid question. That's, a, that's subjective. Uh, Peter Ducey isn't stupid. No, he's I mean, we see enough of him. We hear enough of him. He's, he's very smart. sharp. Yeah. He's young. He's he's good at his job. He again is the only guy in there who's not you know part of the Biden team. The only guy in there every day. There are others who rarely get called on, but he gets called on every day by Jen Psaki and by Biden occasionally. Uh, and he asks good questions and he holds the president accountable. The most powerful man in the world should be made uncomfortable yep. by the questions this this is the job of the media at least it used to be oh a good long year ago um uh, trump did this kind of thing all the all the time called reporters sons of bitches but in that case it was a daily battle they were adversaries he was he was bombastic they were there to uh, provoke him they literally went there with one job like a yamichi or that a-hole that guy Karam from playboy Every time they got a question, the job, their their whole goal was to antagonize the president. Yep. And sometimes they did. And, you know, that was Trump's fault. He let them get to him. But that was what they did. In this case, you got whatever it is, 50 reporters, 49 of them are there to serve their their, their guy. They're, le- they're there to uh, massage his feet, to protect him, to hold him up when he falls. One guy's there to ask actual questions, and Biden can't stand it. He wants complete support from these stooges in the mainstream media, and he doesn't quite get it, and it frustrates the hell out of him. I just think he's careless. He's 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 not very sharp. He's not very uh, disciplined, and he just says these things because that's sometimes what you do when you get old and confused. I I didn't even didn't even cross my mind until I saw this interview with uh, Caitlin Collins, who was oh I she was, was Jake a Tapper, Tapper, yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. And and she says, yeah, he, he knew it was a hunt, Mike. He did it on purpose. And I said, what? Is that really, uh, let me ask you this first of all, is that really a defense? Like, oh, no. obviously you're, you're making it seem like he's not that confused and he's not careless. He's uh, uh, doing it. It's deliberate. And I guess you make it seem like he's somehow got a, a, a method to his madness. Like he's going to say what he wants about Peter Ducey. People are going to think it's an accident, but it's really not. That's their case. Yeah, and and uh, he says it's sort of under his breath, so that that kind of it's like he says, "What a stupid son of a." It could, it'd be different if he said to do, "Oh, you're you stupid son of a." Like if you said that, right. it would be a little bit different. But he he said, "What a stupid." Under his breath, it doesn't it doesn't help their case uh, that this was and, on purpose. And, I just and, think I the filter. He just you're exactly right. His filter isn't there anymore. He doesn't have the cognitive ability to stop himself from saying some of the things that go on in his mind anymore. And, and as I point out almost daily, one of the great, uh, the, the, the revelations, one of the things we've learned in the last year, I, I guess I always knew it. Most people who are paying attention knew it, but it was a part, it was a campaign thing. It was a, it was a, uh, an attempt by the media slash Democrats to make you believe that their candidate was a kindly old man. Was it, was it, you know, just a regular guy, a nice guy, nice old grandpa, you know, not the guy that doesn't acknowledge his grandchild because she was uh, the, the daughter of a stripper and a hook and a stripper and a crackhead. Not that guy, but the guy who plays with the dog on the beach, you know, just a normal, regular the new guy. dog, not the old dog. Old dog's gone. <laughs> not the dog he traded in for a younger model. Uh, but, but they, they want you to think he was, he was just kind of a, a harmless, uh, likable, no pretension, they dressed it up that way, and it was just another campaign lie. He's a cranky, mean old man, and as lots of political uh, pundits who've been around longer than I have point out, he's always been that way. I mean, yeah. there's these montages, and, and we have one of him snapping at reporters. Yes. And I draw the distinction. You know, Trump, he did it He did it proudly. He called them fake news, and you know, he said— He made fun of fake them. News and, you're a terrible person, and he he welcomed the fight, and we saw it every day, and it was entertaining. Yes, they didn't pretend. No one pretended Trump was there to you know make friends. No one pretended he was going to follow the you know the the polite you know protocols of his predecessors. He was going to to battle every day with the likes of Jim Acosta and and uh, Yamichi and the rest of them. What we heard for whatever a year leading up to the election was that Biden was different. He was the anti-Trump. He was the remedy, the antidote to four years of bombast and confrontation. And I kind of knew, it. Uh, I, I definitely knew when they would say it, you know, the, it, we're bringing decency back to the White House. Sure. That, I mean, I knew his history. We, If you paid attention at all, he's always been a mean old guy. Even when he was young, he was a mean old guy. You know, he, he's he just not what they said he was. And every day, their, the lie gets exposed, and I guess I guess it's a defense to say he did it on purpose. <laughs> I guess, that that just covers for the uh, the cognitive question. But what do you accomplish if you say he did it on purpose? No, what, it does, what is he? It, he doesn't accomplish anything because all it looks like he's is he can he can just ad hominem attack. Like he's just he can call people names. He can't actually answer the question on inflation. He doesn't have that facility. So, no, he, he looks like he lost. He looks like he lost. And Ducey moved the needle more than Biden does. I mean, he was right. all over the talk shows afterwards. He got his perspective out all over the place. I think yep. uh, over, the overwhelming um, 
at least from a media standpoint, people were on Ducey's side on this. And it, it, I, 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 I want to get to Ducey like because he, again, he showed, he did everything right here. He asked a perfectly appropriate question that was in keeping with the subject uh, in, uh, that, uh, that the press conference was about. Right. Uh, which is apparently one of the demands the Biden regime makes that you have to stick to the topic. And he did. But we'll get to how he reacted because it was it was so different from the, uh, you know, from the little snowflakes who got so upset at Trump for four years. Ducey handled it right. But I do want to play the the Caitlin Collins, Jake Tapper, because I'm I'm still confused as to why they they say what they think happened, that he did it on purpose. But they don't really say why, do they? I mean, they don't say he did it so that we would no, all just that it was know, on take purpose. the pressure off this and put it on that. What is the 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 end game, the goal? If indeed he did what they think he did, I don't. I'm, I'm still confused. But then again, that's CNN. I'm I'm always confused when I watch CNN. But can we listen to uh, Caitlin Collins, the White House correspondent, with Jake, fake Jake Tapper? Yeah, here it is. Not want to answer, and we should note he was speaking on a microphone. He had just made remarks to the room for about ten or so minutes on this competitive council that they have formed here at the White House, and was pretty. It seemed pretty clear he knew he was on a mic, Jake. Yeah, and the microphone is literally right in front of him. He had, it's not as though he was walking in a back room and he forgot that he had one clipped on his, his lapel. It was right in front of him. This is, of course, a president who, uh, when he was vice president in front of the world, went into President Obama and told him that uh, Obamacare passing was a big effing deal. Again, a hot mic moment. Um, but th this one seemed a little bit more uh, blatant, even. Well, and Jake, I think the... I, I, you know what? They're struggling. I, I look at people, you know, Biden supporters, and we're going to get to Ukraine because that's mm. that that is putting the Biden voters, the Biden supporters, in a tough spot. I'm, I've I've tweeted about it and got some reaction, and they don't know what to say right now. They really don't. There's nobody, nobody on board with sending troops into Ukraine or even even you know advanced weapons. It's it's not a popular thing. I don't think they're going to be able to wag the dog on this one, but we can get to that. On this one, I want to get to Ducey's reaction because everybody knows who Ducey is. His father is Steve Ducey, the Fox and Friends host. I often think guys who I've, I've tweeted about this too, that when you are, when your name is Ducey and you're working at Fox, you're going to get real, people are going to have their suspicions. They're going to have their, sure. they, they're going to be skeptical. They're going to say it's a patronage hire. I thought this Sunday night in the uh, game, uh, the whatever what was the Monday, the Bills Chiefs game, where you have halftime, you have Chris Sims, Phil Sims' son, who is a professional dink, is what he is. He's, he doesn't like Brady. He tries to be antagonistic. I guess it works. He's he's he, he's a in high demand on sports talk radio. Yeah. I'm sure we had him on my show back in the day. He played he played or coached in New England for like a day and a half. And something happened between him and Brady, and he doesn't like Brady. So he kind of makes it his thing to criticize Brady. He makes a list of, like, the top 10 quarterbacks, and Brady's like him on 10 yeah. Yeah. or whatever, just to get tweak people. So I understand that's his role, but obviously he wouldn't be there if he weren't uh, Phil Simms' son. Then they go to the halftime show. Oh, no, it's halftime. Yeah, halftime. And the halftime host is Jack Collinsworth, you know, hosting with uh, Rodney Harrison and somebody, uh, Drew Brees. And I mean, those those are patronage hires, and they will get their chance to prove they can do it. It's like Joe Buck, when Joe Buck started, and he was probably like 17 years old doing major league games. You're saying, 
oh God, another patronage hire. And he goes out and proves that he belongs there. He's really good at the job. Yes. And you can't say he's just there because of dad. He might've got the opportunity because of dad, but he proved himself. I think we'll see about Chris Sims and Jack Collinsworth. Uh, it's almost embarrassing to say, you know, his, his, you know, Chris's son, because you know, you wouldn't be there if you weren't Chris's son, but good luck. Good luck proving yourself. Peter Ducey has proved himself. He's been, I can't imagine what an easy ride Biden and Saki would have without him there. But his oh, questions are always, they're, they're, they're smart. They're targeted. They're just, you know, uh, adversarial enough. So sometimes you get a charge out of the, uh, out of Saki or, or Biden. <laughs> and in this case, they're shuffling everyone out of the room. They're not taking questions. He knows the questions have to be about the topic at hand or Biden won't answer them. So he asked about inflation, which the, the press conference was about the economy. So it's relevant. He knows what he's doing and it still gets under Biden's skin, which is a tribute to, to Ducey. Well, That's and, not easy. And there were a bunch of people asking questions too, but of course, you know, Biden knew who to single out in his mind, who, who, who was going to get under his skin. So he, you know, he, he reacted to that one. And, and, and Ducey, as we recall from the Trump years, if Trump insulted a uh, reporter, quote unquote, of Democrat operative with a press pass, if he insulted them, you know, they would whine and cry. And they, Jim, Jim Acosta, who's just the most loathsome slug in the media, the CNN, that tub that was the White House correspondent, but got demoted when the, the Biden regime took office. And now I think he's on the weekends or whatever. And he would whine about how, you know, uh, the, 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 how, how difficult life was because Trump, you know, targeted him or uh, how, how put uh, tar- Trump put the media in their lives in danger. You know, yeah. that's the reason people hate the media and someone's going to, you know, physically attack them because Trump, uh, what he did to them. I mean, they, they, they made it about them and they whine like little bitches every time he attacked them or every time he counterpunched which was Trump's thing. Acosta wrote a book about it, I believe, and how it was so brave in the era of Trump to speak the truth. So brave. So you have one president who is willing to joust, willing to fight, and you got 98% of the media supporting you and telling you how brave you are, but God, life is so difficult. You know, and, and, and it was pathetic. And same with all, the whole Washington press corps. They couldn't you know, stand up to Trump like a man and just say, I, you know, I did battle, you know, he, we don't get along. He doesn't like me, but I'm doing my job. We move on. That is what Ducey did right away. Ducey went on a few of the shows. He, he laughed about it. He said, Hey, does anyone fact check this to see if I'm you know, really a son of a bitch, a stupid right. son of a bitch. But he went on a, a few shows and just laughed and said, no big deal. Biden called him later in the day, didn't apologize, by the way, just called to say what uh, he, he shouldn't have done that or something. We, we can play Ducey, but I think it's uh, I think it's typical Biden. He's just such a petty, small man that he couldn't call up and apologize. He just had to call up and say, I just want to clear the air. Right. Clear the air. Right. Pal. Uh, Jim, yeah, right, pal. Uh, Jim Acosta did write a book called uh, The Enemy of the People, uh, The Enemy of the People. It's a dangerous time to tell the truth in America. And it's uh, Jim Acosta. Gives, a, gives us an explosive firsthand account of the dangers he faced in reporting on the current White House while fighting on the front lines in President Trump's war on truth. Oh, God. Dangerous. A dangerous time to tell the truth. Okay, how many times, just check Google, how many times did he get banned from Twitter or Facebook 
or YouTube? How many times did he get flagged, uh, Jim Acosta? How many times did Yamichi get uh, suspended from social media? That didn't happen. They, the, the rest of the media circled around them. Their whole network, CNN, was about trying to bring down Trump, and they succeed. It was just the opposite. There's no danger. No, it's the safest position to be to hate these, Trump. <laughs> they right. Everyone, big tech, the media, academia, Hollywood, they all hated Trump. So he was hailed as a hero, even though he's kind of a dummy, Jim Acosta. He's kind of a small, petty, well, not small. He's a, he's a load. He's a tub. But he's not a good reporter. He's not a smart man. And I think CNN even acknowledged that. So they demoted him in this in this new era of uh, of uh, Biden. And they brought in this Caitlin Collins, who is not much better, but she's the one who said uh, Biden did it on purpose. Kelly O'Donnell, who's the head of the Washington Press Corps with, with NBC, she said last night that the Biden uh, people weren't happy because uh, Ducey didn't stick to the topic, which is... <laughs> Absurd. The topic was the economy. He asked about inflation. He did that on purpose. So they couldn't say he got no. off topic. But anyway, I do want to hear from Ducey, who went on The Five. He went on Brett Baer. He went on Sean Hannity. And he chuckled about it. This, Jim Acosta, is the way you handle it. And we have some news tonight. Uh, after years of clips of the president and I kind of mixing it up on the campaign trail and during the transition and here at the White House. Uh, within about an hour of that exchange, he called my cell phone and uh, he said, it's nothing personal, pal. And we went back and forth and we were talking about uh, just kind of moving, moving forward. Pal, go, pal. <laughs> come on, pal. <laughs> and, uh, uh, how about this? And we're going to get to the uh, uh, just the the disappointment, the sadness you feel when young rebels become old tools of the state. We've talked about you know, Springsteen and Rage Against the Machine and these other alleged rock and roll rebels who are now demanding you mask up your child and you and you show your vax card. I'm looking at Jimmy Kimmel, a clip from Jimmy Kimmel last night, and he's mm -hmm. such an embarrassment. He yeah. could be worse. Than his dear friend Howard Stern, the two biggest sellouts, two biggest frauds in media. And he gets and he has Jake Tapper on. Why would you have Jake Tapper on Jimmy Kimmel anyway? He has like 17 viewers and his show's locked at four o'clock in the afternoon. Anyway, Kimmel says, uh, uh, Fox says you're on team Biden. Kimmel says to a Jake Tapper, he says, Here you are defending Peter Ducey, who is indeed a dumb son of a bitch. Oh. Jimmy Kimmel agrees with Biden and attacks the media. And Jake Tapper defends him. And Jake Tapper says, by the way, I don't think anyone on Peter's channel would do the same, defend me, but it is what it is. Are you kidding? Everyone on Fox News defends you, media people when they're in the right. Exactly. Well, it happens all the time. I mean, it would happen more often. But so I also have Hannity asking, I got a bunch of clips on this, Ducey, but the other one that I thought was interesting is Hannity asks Ducey if uh, the president apologized. Here it is. All right, I want to be your negotiator here. And I would like to negotiate a 20-minute sit-down with you and Biden one-on-one. -on -one. I think that would be, you know, uh, I'm a Christian, I believe, in forgiveness. Okay, did he apologize? Uh, he cleared the air, and I appreciated it. We had a nice call. <laughs> He's, that's not an answer. Did he apologize? That doesn't sound like an he apology. Said, he, he said, it's nothing personal, pal. So, and that little chuckle was Ducey. 
My, you know, I, I remember that uh, when I was a kid, my parents would insist you apologize. You couldn't just say, I didn't mean it. I won't do it again. You had to say, I'm sorry. You know, you just had to. It was yeah. important. Makes sense. Uh, and, you know, Biden's from that generation. He probably thinks um, that would, sh you know, show weakness because if there's anything they're uh, determined to do these days is to show strength, even if it's phony or show, you know, mental toughness. He can't just say, sorry. Sorry, pal. Sorry, I didn't mean. Sorry, I didn't know. Whatever. I mean, you can't apologize for calling someone a stupid son of a bitch who was just doing his job. I know. And uh, by the way, if you're Biden, you need Peter Ducey. You don't want the impression that you never get held accountable for anything. Yes. Even if even if it gets a little testy. I mean, I think that was one of the real successes from the Trump years. Even though sometimes I was cringing, sometimes it was uncomfortable. It was Republicans in general wanted a fighter. They were done with the likes of Mitt Romney and John McCain and Bob Dole and Paul Ryan. They wanted a fighter up there for them. And God, they got one. They got Sometimes he would fight about nothing, but they wanted a fighter. And I think even as, as clumsy and awkward as sometimes the exchanges could be, I think people appreciated that he went right back at these, at these uh, pathetic little democrat operatives in the media and if biden never got a tough question it would feel like the game was rigged yeah. you know which in many ways it is but would feel like the fix was in be like okay we're all on the same side here is anyone going to ask him as i said for on the show with you for five months is when the hell is someone going to ask him about afghanistan he got 13 soldiers and marines killed he nuked the 10 innocent civilians doesn't he have to take a question on that? You'd and it took so. five months, and he finally said, I make no apologies. Right. So I guess, you know what? If he's not going to apologize to the family of the seven children no, that he not. nuked in Kabul, I guess he doesn't feel obligated to apologize to Peter Ducey for saying, for calling I guess him not. stupid. No, no. I, I, the other thing, too, is if you love your country, even if you're a Biden supporter and you love your country, don't you want your commander-in-chief to face tough questions and do a good job explaining himself in that context? You know what it, and I say this all the time, if you don't, it's un-American. It's un-American to have a, you know, a leader who never gets held accountable, who never gets confronted on his decisions. I mean, that's just a man. This is not a country of men, it's a country of laws and a country of, of the constitution. That man just has the job for three more years, but he's still just a politician, and he is is obligated to explain himself to us, you know, the, the, the taxpayers, the voters. And if he didn't have Peter Ducey, it would feel like friggin' North Korea. I mean, yeah. you would sit there and go, what's the point of a press conference? All they're doing is taking questions like they did last week, at least for the first hour, taking questions that Jen Psaki gives them and asking them and hoping he can get through it. They're there to support him. Thank God for people like, uh, like Ducey. And I didn't mind, you know, Acosta or Yamichi when Trump was president. I enjoyed it. I mean, they were shameless Democrat, you know, shills, but it was fun. It was, yeah. it was part of the job, hold them accountable, make them uncomfortable, afflict the comfortable, comfort the afflicted. That is your job. And Peter Ducey does it and does it well. I don't care who his father is. I hope he keeps it up uh, at least for three more years or however long we have uh, we have Biden in office. By the way, 
a lot of the media pulled out that quote from a year ago, as soon as Biden took office. And he said, I will fire anybody in the administration who treats someone with disrespect. I mean, you treat someone like that, you will be fired on the spot. I guess he didn't really mean that because he treated someone with disrespect and didn't even apologize. But you know what, Karan? That ain't the last time. No, it's no, gonna, no. We're, we're we're twice a in a week. Yeah. He's not totally clear on the hot mic. I mean, Jake Tapper thinks he had to know because the mic was in front of him. He thought it was off, Jake. He thought it was off. You know, you turn it on, you turn it off. He thought it was off. He didn't do it on purpose. I think that's kind of a pathetic attempt to uh, do damage control, but I don't think it worked. I really don't. By the way, if you like seeing your leaders uncomfortable or being held accountable or their feet held to the fire, you must be enjoying, as I am, the first few weeks of the Mayor Wu regime in Boston because uh, Mayor Wu, if you're unfamiliar, she's a Liz Warren protege. She's a crazy left-wing radical from Chicago, I think, who went to Harvard. Uh, uh, obviously, she got the votes. Not a lot. I mean, you don't get, it doesn't take a lot of votes. It just takes strong support from uh, uh, you know, pockets of, of radicals. That's how it works in these blue state, blue cities. She gets elected. One of the first things she does is the vaccine mandate, yep. destroying restra- restaurants, gyms, uh, and firing. They haven't fired them. Suspending, suspending cops and firemen who don't get the shot. Now, again, we do this every day, but I think it's important. These cops and firemen, for the most part, have had COVID. They were working, unlike politicians, unlike the people in City Hall, which was a ghost town, probably still is for a year and a half, two years. These people worked remotely. They weren't doing anything. Cops and firemen had to go to, the, to work. Teachers, ner- not teachers, I'm sorry, not teachers. No, Nurses not, not teachers. had to go to work. They went to work when the virus was raging, the original variant, the Delta variant, when we didn't know a lot. They went to work, you know, they they took care of people, they they dealt with people, they got sick. They got the uh, virus, they got immunity, they don't feel like they need the shot. Those people are being fired or suspended because this crazy authoritarian uh, nobody, Michelle Wu, wants to confirm her hard left liberal uh, credentials. So she's going to do what they do in you know, these big cities. She's going to do what Liz Warren wants her to do or what Ed Markey wants her to do. She's going to take this whole thing to extremes. Well, these guys aren't taking it lying down. They go to her house. I mean, I don't blame them. When you think about it, say you're a cop for 20 years and you've earned, you're making good money and you got a good thing going and you're good at your job and you like your job and you've had COVID and you say, I don't really want that injection. And they say, take it or you're fired. Right. These are, these are not, you know, soft, squishy people. They're not going to say, whatever you say, how many shots, boosters, keep it. They're going to fight for what they think is right. And when you fire them, they're not just going to put their tail between their legs and go home and, you know, go to Home Depot and see if they can get a job in the paint department. They're going to fight. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. They're going to her house. They're going, as I said, at the outside the garden the other day, I was out there and they, they were outside the Bruins game and there's a whole bunch of them. And they, they look like cops and firemen, you know, and they all had signs. Shame on Wu. That's the thing. They had a rally at uh, North End the other night. That's an unfortunate last name for her because shame on Wu is perfect. <laughs> 
I couldn't tell you how many people I was tweeting about this yesterday, calling her Mayor Wuhan. I don't condone that. I'm not calling her Mayor Wuhan, but that's become a popular <laughs> thing. Plus, there's a Tom Menino quote where he screws up something and he says something uh, by mistake. Uh, and you're right. That, 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 that name works too well works for all kinds of catchphrases. Yeah. But they went to her press conference yesterday. And by the way, I, I tweeted this out. If you want to know just how hopeless your city is, I got a sure sign, a sure sign that your city's hopeless. Your mayor does a press conference with a mask on the whole time. Now, Biden doesn't do that. I mean, uh, Saki doesn't do it, whatever. Like uh, de, de Blasio, the craziest liberals out there didn't do it. Why does Michelle Wu feel compelled to do it at a press conference? Like this, I just want to talk about the city of Boston. Why? Complete theater. I mean, it's, 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 it's so the sickening part, too, is you're seeing most of the world open up, go in the absolute opposite direction of this. And, uh, the, the, you know, most of these places were doing lockdowns a year and a half ago. But since then, we've gotten a lot of data and they're like, OK, this doesn't work anymore. This doesn't make any sense. And we're just doing a lot more harm than good. But as soon as everybody else is 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 opening up, Boston shuts down. They DC abandoned down. the mask mandate in Great Britain, you know, in Scotland and right. in England. No more mask mandate. I mean, large swaths of Europe, no more masks. But like I said the other day, I feel like we're going to be the last bastion. There's going to be no masks anywhere except, you know, maybe Wuhan, China, and Boston, <laughs> or maybe New York. Uh, but, I mean, most people know it's just theater. Most people know it's just a virtue signal, but not our mayor. She did it at her press conference. And we have a short cl clip of her trying to do a press conference and the cops and firemen and other first responders who were fired are uh, outside pounding on the glass, which I like it. I like to see, especially when you're completely out of control, like this mayor is firing people, destroying businesses. I like to see people fighting back and holding her accountable and making her uncomfortable. Let us work. Let us work. Not, she's not used to hearing that. Most of the people who work for her are like, you know, they, they probably work, what, two days a week, yes. one day a week, and they're off to wherever, the vineyard or off to, uh, you know, the mountains or somewhere else. But these guys, they don't want to get fired. They don't, they don't see why. It doesn't make any sense. It's just so wrong to treat the people this way who did the right thing when everyone else was hiding, cowering in their homes. These guys went to work and got sick and got better. And now they just want to work. It's crazy. <laughs> well, she extended but I feel like, I feel, I feel like we're winning. Don't you Karana? feel like this, that she's, you know, she suspended the mandate, uh, for temporarily already. She did, you know, put it off for a few weeks and she'll continue to do that. And if Omicron, you know, burns out and this feels like the, the pandemic is ending, She's going to have to drop it, right? Oh, I don't think she will. I think she has to assert no. her authority and, and just make it happen. Because um, uh, because she should know she should have all the data now that would make her not want, not do the mandate. Like she all that all that data exists. Uh, so she did. You're right, exactly. So it was supposed to go into effect something like the 15th of January. She moved it to the 24th. She moved it again to the 31st of January. Is there 31 days in January? So yes. well, yeah, we'll see what happens at the end of the month. Uh, but she moved. I think yeah, I think on the 24th she moved it to the 31st. So. Uh, well, we'll see. We're, I feel like the, these guys are winning. They're not fired yet. They're making her uncomfortable. And I think people are waking up. And uh, I, I, I think you have to really be out of touch to think this is a good idea. We don't have crime, the spike 
in violent crime in Boston like they do in New York or, or in L.A. or Chicago. But the idea that this is a good time to fire cops, good experienced cops, good time to fire first responders is bizarre. It's banana land. And uh, hopefully, you know, she's uh, going to wake up because she doesn't she's not very strong. She doesn't seem like a very strong will leader. She, she seems kind of squishy. She might be persuaded to just drop this. And I'm if there's no spike in 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 deaths and hospitalizations, then why not? What are you protecting? You're protecting people from getting a cold, which is if these are young, healthy, reasonably young, reasonably healthy people, you're protecting them from what? Getting a, a, yeah. a illness, an illness that barely affects them. If she stops the mandate, I'll actually give her a lot of credit because that's hard to do. There's going to be a lot of political pre- pressure for her to ma- maintain it anyway and for her to buck against that. It'll look like a loss for her, but I'll have a lot more respect if she does it. And, and it's amazing. In Virginia, you know, Glenn Youngkin takes over as governor. First yeah. thing he does, drop drop mask, mask mandates for schools. And there's like seven different school districts suing That's right. to force children to wear masks. Now, they know it's bad for kids. It's it's slowing their development. It's affecting their speech. It's make, it's causing you know depression and, and drugs. We've gone over that. You have school people, uh, superintendents, principals, who are suing the state because they wo- won't allow them to force children to mask up. Again, you can mask up if you want. It's optional. Yes. You can mask up all day, every day, the rest of your life. Right. Protecting you. But if the guy next to you wants to breathe freely, you go to court and you sue to force him. It is really exposing people for the tyrants they are at heart. Yeah. And 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 the authoritarians they are like Michelle Wu who don't care about rights, personal, you know, liberty, they don't care. They're demanding they get their way. Uh but all right, we'll get to let's, we'll get to another story that I just find bizarre. Uh um Neil Young, you're yeah. you're the big music guy. I'm going to ask you a couple <laughs> questions about uh, Neil Young and his song catalog. I'll just give you a tease. Uh, he sold his song catalog. It includes 1,180 songs. Wow. Now you tell me, how many of those are worth a nickel? <laughs> I mean, I could think of maybe four or five. 1,000. Is there someone uh, who bought it, who bought the catalog, who's responsible for going through it and finding out which ones will, you know, work in a car commercial, or which ones will, uh, you know, work in a, in a in a in an ad as a jingle or something? Because it just seems like. Uh, most of them are worthless, but what do I know? We'll get into that. And I'll ask again, is anyone up for a war in Ukraine? Anyone? 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 But first, let me tell you what about paint your life. This is about making new memories in a new world. We can get out there now. We can travel. We can take vacations. And we want to celebrate some of our favorite times by turning new memories into art. When I heard about paintyourlife.com, I thought, what a great idea for a gift birthday my wife's birthday's coming up this might not be a bad idea but i thought initially it must be expensive not so this is not bad this is affordable and it's worth it and it's amazing you get a professional hand-painted portrait created created from any photo at a truly affordable price or you combine photos of people or places you love into one painting choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect user-friendly platform makes it easy to order a custom-made, hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. It's fast. You can receive your portrait in as little as two weeks. So they can whip it together like that, and in two weeks, 
see my wife's birthdays, two, three, two. I got time for this, Carano. You can send any picture of yourself, your children, a special place, someone you loved who isn't around anymore, a cherished pet. I could get one of Toby before he's gone. Even an action shot of you or your children playing your favorite sport makes the perfect gift. Birthdays, anniversaries, wedding gift, meaningful, personal, and it can be cherished forever. All at paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, you can get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get the special offer, text the code word Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, to 64,000. That's Jerry to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. All right, do you ever, uh, anyone in your life, anyone in your life have trouble hearing? Do they have to ask you to repeat themselves? Do they have to tell you to turn up the TV <clears throat> over and over? you having trouble just conducting a conversation at dinner? I've been there. I know it is not fun. Well, and you know what isn't? Old-fashioned hearing aids, they're not fun either. Do you know nine out of ten people still buy hearing aids from clinics and pay $5,000 or more, even though much more affordable options exist? That's why you've got to check out MD Hearing Aid. MD Hearing Aid is an FDA-registered uh, rechargeable hearing aid that costs a fraction of what typical hearing aids cost. MD Hearing Aid's Volt Plus model costs over 80% less than clinical hearing aids. Hearing aids require clinic-level care. For best results, clinic-level care comes from licensed professionals, and MD Hearing Aid brings clinic-level care right to you via telemedicine from doctors and licensed hearing professionals. If you forget to pray, take your hearing aids off in the shower, don't worry. The Volt Plus is water-resistant in up to three feet of water. Plus, it's rechargeable with battery life that lasts up to $30. So how do they make their hearing aids for a fraction of the cost of clinic hearing aids well since about uh 95 of the people who need a hearing aid only require a few settings md hearing aids simplify the need for certain components not needed by most people plus they cut the price hiking cut out the middleman that price hiking middleman that we all hate md hearing aid has brought affordable hearing to over 600,000 satisfied customers plus they offer a 40-day risk-free trial with a 100% money-back guarantee so you can buy with confidence. So get clinic-level care for 80% less with MD Hearing Aid. Go to mdhearingaid.com and use promo code JERRY to get there. Buy one, get one for $299.99 each when you buy a pair. Plus, they're adding a free extra charging case, a $100 value. Uh, value just for listeners of the Callahan show. So head to mdhearingaid.com, use promo code Jerry and get their buy one, get one for $299.99 each when you buy a pair deal. All right. This is, uh, this went, this broke last night and it became kind of a, a big uh, viral story. And lots of people were uh, mocking Neil Young, including me. I got the Rolling Stone story yeah. uh, in front of me. Um, uh, uh, Neil Young made a, uh, gave, made a, I don't know, threat to Spotify. Ultimatum. Made them uh, an ultimatum, a threatening ultimatum. How's that? For Perfect. Spotify, because he sold his music uh, catalog and their uh, Spotify uh, uh, is going to play, was going to play, I don't know. I don't know if you put the Neil Young station on Spotify or develop, make a new young station. How many songs, if you exclude Crosby, still Nash and young, 
or exclude, you know, Buffalo Springfield. How many songs by Neil Young do you really give a damn about? Well, I can tell you all sorts of, well, oh, do you give it, there are a few albums that I like, like I'm not the best, uh, I'm not the best person to poll because most people like Neil Young a lot more than I, I do. I prefer his stuff with Project Stills and Nash. I like it when the four of them are together. Does he own, I know he wrote like Four Dead in Ohio. Does he own that? Um, I don't know about that one song actually well, i'm looking at his discography right now and, and usually what happens in in uh when you're in spotify is it'll list like the top their top songs so i don't see ohio as his in his top songs that might be a csny song i know he owns 50 percent of his own catalog right now and he and other oh, that's right he sold 50 for right. 150 million which I is don't amazing think he would if he he might have songwriting credit on those on ohio and some of the other Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young songs, but it's probably a portion. It's maybe that he owns 20% of it or 15%. Here's, he, here's the letter he wrote to his management team and to Spotify. It says, I, it says, quote, I want you to let Spotify know immediately today that I want all my music off their platform. They can have Joe Rogan or Neil Young, not both. Now, On Spotify, uh, says, by the way, on Spotify, he has 72 albums right now. Jeez. I know it seems like a lot. I, I I know that he's prolific, but seventy-two albums is crazy. You were right, eleven hundred songs. You said I think earlier. Yeah, eleven hundred and eighty songs. Uh, I know he he walked in the woods and wrote Four Dead in Ohio in forty-five minutes. So he's pretty prolific and quick. He is quick. Uh, a quick writer because he cracked that one out. And it obviously went became legendary. But he writes with an estimated eleven million listeners per episode. Joe Rogan. Uh, the Joe Rogan Experience, which is hosted exclusively on Spotify, is the world's largest podcast and has tremendous influence. Spotify has a responsibility to mitigate the spread of misinformation on its platform, though the company presently has no misinformation policy. You know what? I obviously, uh, Neil Young is overestimating his value. If they have to choose, there's no doubt, even Spotify, it'll be over the dead cold bodies of you know 90 percent of their employees but if they're doing what's best for the company they would go with joe rogan he's much more much more valuable to the to the company than neil young but i think neil young is perpetrating uh, the, the, this lie that joe rogan is this leading source of misinformation uh he's not we know that the leading source of misinformation i would say in the country is Dr. Anthony Fauci, and there's no close. Well, maybe Rochelle Lewinsky would be close second, but the, these the are the administration. Yes, the administration. Right, the administration, and all the people who uh, echo or parrot what the administration says. Joe Rogan asks questions. We've gone over this enough. He's curious, you know. He's interested. He people puts brings people on. Dr. Malone, Dr. McCullough, and asks them questions. They don't like that. They don't want people asking questions. Just take your jab. Sit home, get fat, take your jab, and 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 Fauci will make his money, and everyone will be happy. I don't know how Spotify resolves this. I know how they would like to resolve it, saying, "Go screw you, washed up hippie. You're not that important to us." But they'll probably negotiate some deal where they, you know, they they, they will denounce something Rogan did. But uh, oh, we still support free speech. Well, I think you're right. I'm sorry. Okay. The, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think you're right. I think he's overplaying his hand. If you look at, uh, so like I said, if you go to an artist's page in Spotify, you can see how many spins each one of their like top 10 songs have. And when you get to the 10th, it's only 1.6 million spins for a song of the seasons. That's his 10th wow, most really? popular song. So that's not that many. When you think of how prolific and how long he's been in the game and how many albums he is, and he's sort of an, and he's an icon, you'd think he'd, have, he'd be much more popular than that. His most popular songs, of course, have 
uh, 280 million and 160 is the second one, but but it drops pretty quickly from that. So I think he is overplaying his hand. Number one, number two, he only owns licensing for 50 percent of his of his material. So Spotify can play the rest of it, and he can go screw himself. Right, they can do that without his permission. Right. And it, the, the thing that amazes well, first of all, how many people go to Spotify just for Neil Young? Doesn't seem like to be a lot. Nah. People, you, know, you have a wide range of interests. You might like them, and you might, you know, throw some of the songs on your playlist. But lots of people go to Spotify just for Joe Rogan, and maybe they stay for the music or stay for other podcasts. But he's the real drawing card. They know it. They would never dump him as much as you know if the place is, you know, populated by like moon bats and and, and crazy you know uh, liberals who who don't like Rogan. They know that he's an important part of their uh, their business model, but um, I the, the disappointing thing is not that you know Neil Young hates Rogan. That's no surprise. But it used to be not that long ago. I know I'm old, but it wasn't that long ago that rock and roll rebels, rock and rollers, by nature were anti-establishment. Yes. You and I have talked about this many times because you hear people like, again, uh, Springsteen or Tom Morello or, or, you know, I went to see Jason Isbell and he demanded Vax uh, cards. And I like them. Like I say, some of my favorite singers, musicians are liberal. You just, it's the way it works. You can't, if you just stick to conservatives, <laughs> you it. don't have a lot of choices out there. Kid Rock and... Uh, you know, the, the Gatlin brothers or right. something or rich and uh, big and rich. But anyway, um, you look at guys who were brought, came up as rebels. I mean, the, one of the great rebel songs is for dead in Ohio. That's Ohio what they did. They, rocking in the free world for what it's worth is a protest song. I mean, a ton of them, there, a lot of them were pro that's how they made their, see, uh, that's how they made their bones. They were doing protests. Like one, the of the le- one of the most prolific protest song writers is now saying, you can't question the government, the federal government. I know. You can't question the Biden regime or I will demand that you be silenced. Do you think Neil Young, is he just is his brain fried? Does he know what a hypocrite, what a sellout he sounds like? Yeah, I, I mean, he's, he's end of life. He's not thinking straight anymore. I don't know. I, I've heard him interviewed. I heard the long one with, uh, with uh, Stern about two years ago. And he doesn't, he's a little confused. He loses his train of thought. And hopefully, you know, this is just whatever, old age. He's got a little Bidenism. But he's not the only one. I was just looking at, you know, like I could see Springsteen. Springsteen sold his catalog. He did. For $550 million. Yeah. Sony, which owns Columbia Records, which he's been with for 50 years or 40 years or something. He's been with the same record company for his entire career. And he sold the rights to them. For 550 million, and they always say the same thing. Oh, they promised me they would. Uh, you know, that, that I have some say in this, and it won't be appearing in you know commercials for uh, for whatever for candy or something. Uh, in you won't be hearing you know Born to Run over a commercial for Kale Date or something. Right. They always pretend that they have protection, but I don't really believe them. Anyway, Bob Dylan, he sold 600 songs for 300 million. He's 80. Yep. He cashed in. God bless him. He still tours and he does. Does off people hate his shows. I've talked to a bunch of friends who have gone to see him because they used to and they say he doesn't care about the audience, doesn't even look at them, doesn't talk to them, just nope. head down, sings his songs, walks off stage. Um, but there, there's no way they could protect themselves from them selling these songs to advertisers or whatever. 
at, uh, at some point or movies or TV shows. It's going to happen and that's okay. This is America. They're capitalists. They're making money, but you can't have it both ways. No. You know, you can't pretend, right? You can't pretend your artist only cares about the art when you're walking away with $550 million. That's, uh, that's, I'm, uh, it's not exactly, you know, the, the rock and roll rebel right there. You are one of the richest people in the world. And uh, when you do, when you take that kind of money and then you say, I don't think people who disagree with me should be allowed to speak, you're a sellout. That's yeah, what you and, are. And rock and roll was founded to, to, to buck the system. That, that's, that's why we did rock and roll. It was, it was forbidden a lot of times. It was dance music. It was kids who were thrown off the shackles of, of their very conservative, and I don't mean conservatives, like, just like conservative in terms of their lifestyle, um, family and and it it was a it's a pro it's always been protest music um starting with blues african-american blues uh leading into rock and roll and it's a, it's a shame what these these former protesters the, speaking to truth to power people have become it's sad for me uh i don't know if you ever heard uh, johnny rotten from the sex pistols lately but yes. he's like the last holdout he hate, he liked trump by the way and he hated the the media and he would hate these mandates and He's not really relevant anymore, but it reminds you of what rock and roll is used to be like. They'd be like, you know, go screw, take your you know mandate and go screw in your mask and yeah. your vax card. And there's some people still doing that and they get in trouble, you know, like Meatloaf. Meatloaf didn't even say he was against vaccine. He was against mandates. That's right. You know, and he spoke about the, and, and he supported the Eric Clapton, uh, Van Morrison songs. And for that, there were liberals dancing on his grave over the weekend. There was a few of them on Twitter. I was tweeting at them who were like, you know, he, he, the one thing he wouldn't do for love, get vaccinated. Right. <laughs> yeah, super Mocking funny. a 74-year-old guy with a family who just died because he was against mandates, not vaccines, mandates. It's just insane. But uh, we will see. We'll see who's next because Neil Young will probably be the first. There'll probably be more of these wrinkly old rockers who will do the bidding of the Biden regime. But I want to get to... Uh, Ukraine quickly, and then uh, congratulate David Ortiz, who's going to get in the Hall of Fame tonight. But first, I want to do Shay. Let me do Shay live here, Carano. Let me tell you, because I think this is about the time people are thinking about spring projects and maybe, you know, what they want to do with their home this uh, once this winter ends. And I got an idea for you. Precast concrete steps. Shay has a huge selection of precast concrete steps ready to be installed at your home. If you're building a new home or remodeling or replacing an old staircase, just trying to make your old house look good. Shea has great values with designs for any home. There are many options available, including concrete, or you can customize with stone or brick. I like bluestone. That's my, my favorite. A new staircase can dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home, giving you much better curb appeal. Make your front steps the talk of the town. Shea can remove your old stairs and have you walking up to your new front steps Within hours, removing the old stairs, that's a pain in the ass. They're heavy. They're awkward. You can't really do it yourself. All you do is sit in the window and watch Shade do it. They will take care of all that for you. When they're done, you'll have a great-looking new entrance that will add value to your home. It's more than an upgrade. It's an investment. With one phone call, Shade would deliver turnkey installation experience, and in a few hours, you'll get a brand-new front entrance. Learn more at SheaConcrete.com. Also, Shea is hiring. They're always hiring. Business is booming. They're looking for good people. This might be your opportunity. There are career opportunities for a great company for all types of people and skill sets. Give them a call or check it out at SheaConcrete.com. All you got to do is 
pass a drug test. I'm not sure uh, Neil Young would qualify to work there, but hey, maybe you would. All right, we're getting ready for war in Ukraine. Seems it. And I've, I've lived through a few wars, and I lived through, you know, Iraq War and the Gulf War before that, and when I was a toddler, I guess Vietnam. And usually, you know, there's real division in the land. Usually you got people who are against war, anti-war people, and then there are people who justify it and say, we're spreading democracy or we're uh, wiping out uh, weapons of mass destruction or yes, we're finding weapons of over oh, a moving an evil dictator. This could be the lamest rush uh, rationalization justification I've ever seen. And it's not working. You have weaklings like Anthony Blinken, like John Kirby at the Pentagon, like Jen Psaki telling you, Oh, uh, we uh, drew a line in the sand and Putin better not, or there will be uh, consequences. And no one's buying it. I, I started wondering, like, what the person is, what's the, pro, what's the person, the profile of the person who supports this? I got nothing. I got nothing. I mean, if you're paying attention at all, you know there are no vital U.S. interests in Ukraine. You know it does nothing for us, for Americans, except put people in harm's way, even if it's just advisors. We have no business there. Nobody, everyone knows it. No one's ready for another endless war. No one is ready to go to war just to, help Biden's uh, approval ratings or, you know, increase the stock price of Raytheon or Lockheed Martin. So I looked it up. I found one poll. One poll here. Um, are you in favor of boots on the ground, troops in Ukraine? And I don't know who these people are, but there were, it was a real poll, thousand, uh, respond, over a thousand respondents by this group, the Trafalgar Group, who do really good polling politically. 15.3 is the number who support sending troops to protect the border of Ukraine. 15. In political terms, that's nothing. Yeah, this that's was done zero. January 12th to 14th. 1,081 uh, general election voters, margin of error 2.9%. Um, uh, they, they, these, these guys have been pretty accurate in political polling. But deploying troops at the lowest level of support 31% supported providing supplies and weapons. 30% said U.S. should only provide diplomatic pressure. And 23% said U.S. should provide military advisors. But 15% want troops. I don't know who they are. Those 15%, I don't know anybody. Anybody. There's, there's Even the staunchest Biden supporter knows this is insane. We don't care about the Texas border, but somehow we care about the Ukrainian border. It is madness. And it's not gonna, it's not gonna go well. I mean, if Biden, if they really think this is a way to prop him up or maybe protect his investments, because we know Hunter and and the Biden family have a lot of business interests there, they're making a mis a really fatal mistake. This is nobody after twenty years in Afghanistan. Nobody is ready for another foreign war. No, but their posture is looking like. I mean, they're warning Russia. You had Kirby talking yesterday, warning Russia saying we're getting ready to respond. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that, that's an aggressive posture, and I, I wouldn't have expected it so far after the, or so close to the last debacle leaving Afghanistan that, that we'd be talking about war. Now, but. <laughs> which, right, which was, a, you're right, it was a, a disaster. You look at it, we spent trillions, 20 years, 2,500 you know, lives lost, and you say, what did we get out of it? Taliban's back in charge. They yeah. got all our weapons. Yeah. This, and, and we got real issues, real problems at home, including a wide open southern border. And somehow we're worried about the, the border between Russia and Ukraine. It's 
I mean, if Biden is really determined to fight a foreign war to, you know, whatever to help us not, he's picking the wrong place. This yeah. is not, this is literally not the hill to die on. I don't think this, the country has any stomach for this, any, even if they start lying and they say, oh, there's, you know, they're, they're killing civilians or they're torturing people or the way they did with Iraq. Remember, yes. told us Saddam Hussein. Yes was uh, torturing people and putting them in meat grinders feet first. And we really had to stop these human rights atrocities. And I fell for it. And I regret it to this day. It was a dumb idea. And I, you know, then there were no weapons of mass destruction. The intelligence community lied about that. Um, can't happen. Can't no. happen, but we will see. All right. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Karana, before we uh, wrap this up, David Ortiz, I predicted Yes, I'm bragging about my predictions because I get so few right. I predicted at least five years ago, uh, David Ortiz would be the first steroid guy, known steroid guy, uh, voted into the Hall of Fame. We find out tonight at 6 o'clock uh, they will announce the uh, new Hall of Fame inductees. I think uh, Ortiz gets the best numbers. This, kids, is what why it pays to be nice to the media, really nice, personable, friendly, hell, fly some of them to the, to the Dominican every year and put them up for, and, and have them play in your golf tournament, which he did. And it worked. And I think if, if Ortiz were as big a dink as Barry Bonds, he wouldn't get in. No way. No, he's just a much nicer guy, better guy. Teammates love him, coaches, fans, everything. It, it, and it was just flunked that one test that in 2003. And then, you know, his numbers, look like a steroid guy and you know anyone who's paying attention knows you don't have to it doesn't make him a bad guy lots of guys were doing stuff barry bond's a bad guy he is bad guy. but and maybe he'd be in already if he were weren't such a bad guy bonds and clements i think are getting in too they're close they're really close it's their last time on the ballot bonds clements and Schilling. we know Schilling won't get in because Schilling likes trump and that is a deal breaker you can't vote for a guy if he likes a guy who was president and also collects World War II memorabilia. So that, oh, that's right. He had a T-shirt making fun of reporters. Those are the reasons you keep them out. You vote in guys who did drugs, but you keep out the guy who had a T-shirt making fun of reporters. But it doesn't make a lot I think sense. it'd be great. If, if Clemens and Bonds fell short, I would laugh. I don't think they belong in. They cheated. They were greedy. They don't get everything. But wouldn't that be something if Ortiz is the only guy to get in? Because there are lots of steroid guys with numbers. Sammy Sosa, Manny Ramirez. Mark McGuire that have Hall of Fame numbers dude have been kept out and those guys aren't even close. Why is this guy different? You know, because he was a great guy. I guess that's the only that's the only thing. I mean, the other two have better numbers. You talk about Clemens had a better career than Ortiz, so did of course uh, much Barry better, Bonds, much, way better. Those guys had just they seven MVPs, I believe, seven Cy Youngs for for Clemens. I mean, off the charts. Yeah, and most of the young voters are voting for him. But this is their last chance, and we'll see what happens. I, I will laugh if they are kept out again because they were greedy, man. They were good. They were heading to the Hall of Fame, and they just it wasn't good enough. They had to do what Sosa and McGuire were doing, which is literally what motivated Bonds. He saw the attention they were getting and said, I got to get me some of that. And he started juicing, and he blew up. His head blew up, and he became the most prolific home run hitter of all time. Asterisk yeah. next to it. Um, but literally, you keep it out the guy with the most home runs ever because he cheated. And I'm okay with that. There's a morals clause for a reason. These guys cheated. Don't reward them. But Ortiz, they will reward them because they just like him. 
but congratulations. I'll be the first to say congratulations to uh, David Big Poppy for uh, sneaking in the hall. And too bad for uh, Kurt Schilling, but I yeah, think he, he yeah, I think Schilling can sleep at night knowing that uh, you know he lives. He's he, and I think a good guy and a good family man and a good Christian, but uh, you know you can't go supporting Donald Trump and expect to get in the Hall of Fame. No. Anyway, we'll see what happens with that tonight. We'll keep an eye on it, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll follow it up tomorrow, and we'll be ready to give Poppy a big hug. That's what you do with Poppy. He's a hugger. But we will leave it there for now. Carano, thank you to everybody for watching, listening, for commenting. Thanks to you, Carano. Good yeah. job. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is The Callahan Show, and we will do it again tomorrow. <laughs>